This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and today we have my friend Vasu Sojitra on the show. Um, Vasu's the shit. I love talking to him. Uh, it's honestly like talking about diversity and inclusivity and all this stuff. Like sometimes I think people don't want to hear about it, but from somebody like Vasu, it's it's so genuine. It's so authentic. And he's just, he gets it. Like he's fun. He's funny. And, uh, if you've ever hung out with him, you know what I mean? Like the dude is just, the dude's good people all the way through and through. Uh, so we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about color of the trails. We talk about taking up space in this industry and so much more, but we have a few things going on. First, first and foremost, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you are looking for reviews, if you are looking for content, if you are looking for fun stuff, the Utah, the Utah, the Utah, the Utah, the YouTube is where you go. Uh, it is just out of collective, just like every other social that we run. Uh, that is, that's where you find us. So go subscribe. You can also watch this episode and many more in the studio. Way better. Like it's, it's the best studio format that you can do remote period no questions asked it's actually really fun totally watchable content okay now that i've sold you on watching and becoming a subscriber we have a couple ads to get through for today and this one is hardly an ad it is actually just a nutrition tip okay so all that being said it is time for the out of bounds sports nutrition tip of the week sponsored by Muir energy the real food energy gel made for the mountains that doesn't taste like butt. That is actually what my ad copy says, and that's actually what I've said in the past. Athletes do not focus enough on getting enough fats. Why do we need them? In order to absorb the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, you need to be consuming enough fat. In the winter months, fat plays a critical role in body temperature regulation. Um, fat also plays an important role in balancing and maintaining hormone production. Uh, obviously I am not intelligent enough to have come up with this copy by myself, but I do know this is a thing. I am a big fat guy. Okay. <laughs> I am huge into fats. Uh, focus on increasing these types of fats in your diet. Examples include fish, plant oils, such as olive oil, avocado oil, and canola oil, nuts and nut butters like those found in Muir energy, cashew vanilla gel, which is actually really, really good. And I'm not saying that because they pay us money. It is genuinely one of my favorite flavors. Honestly, all this Muir stuff is so good because it's actual food and like there's not a whole bunch of stuff in it. It doesn't make your mouth feel all weird. Like I've had some in the past, like from major brands that you put in your mouth and you're like, this is not supposed to be in my mouth. Okay. Uh, so all of those things, just get your fats. That's the point of this whole thing. It's like, get your fats. We're trying to provide actual value here with these ad reads and let you know the types of things that you should be doing. So get a balanced diet. Go to mirrorenergy.com if you are interested in taking the gel side of things to the next level for you. But keep in mind all of these, these things going forward. Keep in mind all of these things going forward. Sometimes I try to read and talk at the same time and it does not work. Uh, use discount code out of bounds for 15% off. Tell them blueberry bergamo is your favorite color in your order notes. And they promise to throw in something special. Blueberry bergamo is your favorite color. Okay. Remember that always go to mirrorenergy.com. And now we're rolling right into one of my favorite sponsors because it's on wheels, because it's a house Alpine vans, uh, Alpine vans makes the ultimate adventure van. I mean, Todd said it best himself. He does not want to build vans that are ordinary. He wants to only build vans for people that are doing dope shit. And I believe him. The dude is uh, tried and true, like all the way. Uh, and there is no example better than the fact that they work with the legend himself in Cody Townsend. Uh, I will say they do have the quotation marks backwards. We'll fix that on the website afterwards. But it's the ultimate winter ski van. No questions asked. Uh, solar. It's got a base electric system. The van that I'm using, for example, there's ski storage. There's a heated gear closet so all your stuff stays warm and you start your day warm and you end your day warm. You can get changed inside the van. It's just beautiful. Like, you open this thing. I've, like, given 500 tours of this van so far, and everybody that gets into them is just, like, completely blown away. Ryan Schmees did the graphic on the outside of these. So it is like, I've literally had people like walking down the street and been like, that's the coolest van I've ever seen in my life. Genuinely. It's happened multiple, multiple times. 
I'm going to stop rambling about these vans. Go to alpinevans.com to check these things out or just email Todd at alpinevans.com if you're interested in checking out a van uh, and just tell him I sent you. It is like, these things are phenomenal. They, they genuinely are. And without further ado, here's our episode with Vasu Sojitra. You were at UVM before? Yeah, so before moving here, I was at UVM. Uh, I think, let's see, for one year after I graduated, I stayed and worked at an adaptive sports organization. Okay. Not adaptive. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what was your degree in? Mechanical engineering. Nice. Can you tell? You're using that now? <laughs> heavily. <laughs> <laughs> Invested heavily. Made my parents proud. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, for four if you if you weren't a pro skier, what would you be doing? Like, I mean, is that something that you actually wanted to pursue, or is that what like is that actually what you wanted to do, or is that just to make your parents proud? Actually, yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't the make your parents proud. I think uh, they were very um, uh, scared. Maybe not scared. What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Anxious. They're very unsure okay. of my visions in life. <laughs> felt insecure that I was going to jump into being a pro athlete. And they're like, how are you going to get paid? Um, so there's that. But no, I think my major focus out of, out of college was community organizing. Hmm. I, was, I worked at Vermont Adaptive as an intern. I fell in love with adaptive sports. And uh, once I moved to Montana, I worked at an adaptive sports organization as one of their major directors in running adaptive sports programming for about like seven years. Hmm. So that was super cool. I was one of their youngest people. And only disabled person on staff for a period of time, which is always interesting around adaptive sports. Um, but uh, that's a whole other topic if you want to get into it. Anyways. Uh, of course I want <laughs> so to get that, into it. <laughs> that, actually, that actually made me stick around a lot more in Bozeman. I was telling myself two years, and then I'd go back to East Coast and be closer to my family. But then uh, I got roped into running these programs and fell in love with all the people that were part of it. Um, the you know, participants with disabilities and volunteers and the families, caregivers, all that kind of stuff. Learned a lot around disability through that. So that was super cool. Um, that definitely helped me build my voice. Because I was like, in parallel, promoting myself as an athlete as well, signing with companies and whatnot. Right. Signed with Northeast like five years ago. So like, you know, just kind of <clears throat> promoting my athleticism and that representation through being a person of color and a disabled person. And then also like working in the disabled field as an adaptive sports director on the ski hill, getting more people out. So it went really hand in hand and helped me build my voice as a disabled person in this space. Helped me definitely break down that like I'm hella privileged and like need to do more. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started really community organizing and leveraging what I have. Um, and my voice in whatever way, shape, shape or form to make it happen. So, yeah, that's kind of what stuck me around and then uh, moved into the pro athlete stuff. And as you probably know, definitely I'm fairly loud in many, many you? spaces. <laughs> me? No, never. <laughs> um, let, so let me ask you a couple things on this topic. Uh disabled is the right way to say it like is that what like is that what you prefer like i i only ask because i've heard multiple people like especially on the internet right like yeah yeah so there's i i between disabled person with a disability adaptive um within the ability spectrum whatever you name it because i i have a deep understanding of systemic issues that impact disabled folks but I typically tell people like start off with people first language, person with a disability. Um, and then as you're like on your journey of understanding what the disability world is, um, you can, you know, you can like start transforming your language around it um, as well. So that's kind of the idea. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, language is always evolving and, you know, next couple of years there might be a different term that people want to use. Yeah. Oh. And like, I also just tell people like to ask how they want to be represented. Some disabled mm. folks don't want to be even called disabled. So, which is totally fine. You know, that's their own journey. Um, and that's kind um, of the hard part though, I think for people and, and it makes it almost, un- which again, 
it's fine to be uncomfortable. I think people are very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So like they don't know what to say. They don't know how to ask. So to even ask what do you want to be called is a thing that's uncommon for people, I think, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then in the disabled world, it's all about like consent and accountability to like asking questions, asking if someone wants to hold a door open for you or pick up something for you, like always asking before just like, you know, I have had people just jump right in. I'm like, can you give me my fucking space? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like, you know, other people that have worked in the space are uh, very open to just asking those questions first and foremost before even jumping in. And then if you fuck up, just like saying sorry and not doing it again, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's just not being a dick at a certain point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, why, why is it valuable to you to be working in these adaptive spaces? I, I, I just, it's always interesting to find out like what motivates people to actually like put themselves out there and help whoever else is out there and kind of like be an example, I guess. And like, set themselves up and set other people up for success and you're one of like you mentioned before you're one of the loudest advocates of of, of really anything that's positive in this space but yeah. I, <laughs> thanks yeah, which is like I, i'm trying not to give you too many compliments here i don't want your ego to get too big but like yeah, 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 yeah. i uh, what motivates you to do that kind of thing and why why are you at this point now um do you know this tony morrison quote of it goes by if you're free you need to free someone else yeah. If you have power, then you, your job is to empower someone else. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what I lean on a lot. It's just like, hey, I'm hella privileged and I see that there's a lot of suffering out there on behalf of different various societal norms that we've created, whether it's like around disability or race or gender, or ethnicity, you name it. I'm like, cool, like, sweet. Like, what, how do I identify in these spaces? And where, where does my identity hold power? And how can I leverage that power to benefit folks that might not be at the table? So that's kind of my perspective going into literally any conversation ever. Right. <laughs> and especially in very homogenous spaces, whether it's uh, a room full of non-disabled folks, a room full of white folks, a room full of, you know, cis hetero folks, like definitely trying to like make sure the voices that are not at, in those um, spaces are being heard because I've heard, I heard this from a, a different organizer as well, where they're like the, the solutions to the issues in our communities are within our communities. Like if you're asking people in those communities that are suffering how to resolve the issues that they're running into, they will have the answers, right? <laughs> right? It's like, okay, so then like, why are they not at the table? Um, letting folks that are in power or whoever kn know about these issues. I mean, there's a lot to go into there, but like, you know, just trying to make sure that people whose voices need to be heard are being heard. How do you, how do you do that? Like, what does that, what does that look like for you? Uh, you tell me, how do you think I've done it so far? Be loud. I mean, for people that don't know you, I think like you're not, I'm asking this knowing that you're not very shy to say anything and like to call right. anybody out on their shit and like, which is great, but obviously not everyone knows this about you that is listening. I mean, maybe they do, but in real life, you're exactly the same as you are in the internet, which is fucking hilarious because <laughs> I don't think people are expecting, I think they just think like you got this nice smiley, like North face style photo as your profile picture. Like, I think that's the image that everybody has in their head of you, but right, right, right. you're not afraid <laughs> to be like, fuck you. This is wrong. You know, while having a smile on my face, yeah, exactly while you're happy about it and while you're comfortable with it. Oh yeah, I'm very fine bringing up uncomfortable topics. Yeah, I don't feel uncomfortable at all anymore. I'm like, yeah, you want to talk about this? Great, bring it on. Um, so, <laughs> and especially in homogenous spaces, I've man, in, even then, like you know, the boardrooms at North Face and whatnot. Like, I, I'm very much adamant about bringing these topics up, regardless of it not being the right time or space. Just trying to be more strategic about it nowadays, mm -hmm. given given where I end up in these more powerful spaces, the big decision makers that are behind like, you know, designing the clothing or utilizing different language and marketing material and pulling different athletes in, all these different facets impact the culture of a company. So trying to make sure that's, kind of, that's where I put my energy into. Um, I've definitely slowed down on the social media call outs. 
yeah. even though those are pretty fun. <laughs> it is fun. I feel like everybody post COVID has slowed down a little bit on it because everybody was so ramped up and so tense and like so. Oh yeah. And it was so aggressive, like on on all sides of things. Where, like, I found myself being mad at someone every day. You know, like it was oh, like yeah. every day I'm like multiple times a day. I'm like, fuck you. Like I hit that block button so many times. Like after like yeah. I, tr- my rule of thumb was like, I'll try once, like I'll respond once. And if that doesn't work, like, and you're still being a piece of shit, you're still a piece of shit to me. And then I move on. Like, yeah. I'm not going to let it waste too much time. I love trolling trolls. That's my favorite thing sometimes. I, I'm but I also, I also, <laughs> I also don't like, so the moment I respond to a troll, it gives them a platform. So I typically don't. Right. Um, it gives them the power to speak their mind. Um, and that's kind of the boundaries I've set on social media around these trolls. And yeah, I mean, some of these comments can be hurtful, but I don't really take them personally anymore. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, I grew up being bullied my entire life. I'm like, I know exactly what you're fucking doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I give you any kind of, uh, if I react to these individuals in any way, shape or form, it's just fuel to the fire. And I'm like, nope, don't need to do that. Delete. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. So, and that's not, that's not the values I've created for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, especially around different relationships, companies, friends. Yeah. Anyone. That's so. the, that's a tough one, right? Like when you have to be a professional and you're representing a brand and like what you say and how you respond does matter. Like you do have to be sort of like, PG 13 about some stuff, even if people are being piles of shit. I mean, obviously you work with good brands. They understand they're like, they're behind you in, you know, 99% of scenarios, but it is, that's one of the things that I kind of struggle with a little bit sometimes is like being aware of the partners that I have and the people that are around me and kind of trying to like my response affects more than just me, I guess at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really, really, uh, mindful of the impact over the intentions that are ha- happening in my life. So um, really focusing on that yeah. and then utilizing the right language that I've learned over the years to make sure I express what I'm trying to express as well as like what the communities I'm a part of and trying to uplift are trying to express. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's been the biggest thing to understand over the years is just like, utilize cause like I keep going back to this, um what is it was like literally it was from the movie arrival have you watched that movie no i don't think so i can watch it great movie um let me see if i can pull this stupid ass quote up it's a really great quote um but uh it pretty much talks it's all about language and it's i mean it's another damn alien movie but it's like (laughs) one that you probably have never kind of seen before yeah. Um, so it was like the quote was language is the found foundation of civilization. It's the glue that holds a people together. It is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. Mm. Right. Like, so these wars and these like outrageous behaviors that are happening are kind of, the, I view them as like the end product of everything that preceded it, including how right. we interact with each other through language and communication. And I noticed that a lot within the disability world is like, how am I going to interact with this individual that's on the autism spectrum that is his, his communication style is completely different than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. You know, they might be nonverbal, they might be hitting themselves, they might be punching me. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, they're trying to tell me something here. I can't take that personally. But they're trying to tell me that they're uncomfortable about some situation that's happening right now. So how can I break that down to understand where they're coming from instead of thinking the way I communicate is superior to the way that they communicate. Mm. Right. So that was one of the biggest things that I learned in the disability world, especially around cognitive disabilities and physical disabilities too, but specifically cognitive around autism, down syndrome, you name it, the whole, there's like fucking 5 million different disabilities in the cognitive world. Um, so that was that was a big thing, and I've utilized that and moved that into my advocacy as well. It's just like, yo, know, language is like a massive tool that we've created to build bridges or break them down. Yeah. The end, right? Like, and that's kind of the biggest thing I'm trying to utilize is shifting people's language that's more inclusive and equitable hmm. instead of being so harsh and violent and accusatory. So, yeah, 
I don't know if that comes off in any of my stuff, but I'm very direct with everything I say and do. Yeah. And it occasionally comes off as I've heard intimidating. So I chuckle at that. I love that. <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I kind of get why. Because like you're not mincing words. You're saying exactly what you mean. And that's not the norm for most people. Most people are just worried about playing the game and like doing the whole bit. And like, yeah, you might be playing the game to a certain extent, but it's not it's not your end goal, I guess. Um, let me, let me ask you this then. Have you, have you had media training? Like how does somebody get to the point where they're comfortable talking about this stuff and articulating it in a way that people understand? Right. And I mean, even like the last time I saw you at Snowbound, right? You're completely relaxed. You don't have a plan. You're just going up there and you're delivering a speech and a product to a bunch of people that are like that you don't know and that maybe know you, maybe don't know you, but you're able to like put your message across in a way that people understand whether they know you or don't know you. Yeah. And I mean, no, I've not had media training. <laughs> In short. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 Okay. In short. Yeah, I've not had media training, but I have leaned on a lot of resources on Instagram, which is so weird to say. <laughs> it's the strangest thing, but I have utilized Instagram as a tool that made me smarter and better as okay. a human in my eyes. There are so many damn resources out there. I just weed through the bullshit that is the trolls and the dumb accounts that are like calling stuff out that are useless. But there's just like so many people putting out great information about like public speaking maybe or like how to connect with <laughs> communities, you know, like all these different perspectives that are on my social. It's like if you swipe through my social, it's not just a bunch of white folks skiing, right? I've actually unfollowed so many people, white folks skiing in this industry. I don't really follow that many skiers in the first place on my Instagram, which is so weird to say. I actually follow more skaters than skiers. But skating is also more of like, I it's comparable to soccer when it comes to the world sport, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the world's ex, soccer and football are like, you know, the world sport in general. I think skateboarding is like the world sport within the extreme sports world. For sure. Um, but anyways, yeah, I don't I don't follow that many skiers and ski accounts at all and i don't post about any other than like if they're disabled or queer or um bipoc people of color like i'm posting about that stuff because that's the one that's the stuff that people need to see more and more to break down biases they have about different cultures and communities yeah i love that i mean so why why do you not care to follow what the white skiers in the world, the skiers of the world. Like, why why is it not as interesting to you as a person, right? Like, because I think there's, there is value in both, but you're right. I think you're finding more and more that these projects that are starting to come out, these movies that are coming out, the articles that are coming out are more intentional, more storytelling than what they used to be, other than, like, ski porn. Like, that shit's cool, but, like, who cares, honestly, anymore? Like, there's very few people that I care about, like, even as an interviewer, like, right. I just don't give a shit. Like, yeah, you can do this thing, but, like, if you're not co- – like, I don't give a fuck to talk to H- Tanner Hall, for example. Like, I, I really genuinely don't care to talk to him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, And, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, I'll follow the Conrads and the Carolyn Glides because they are speaking out in their own shape or form, <coughs> which is – but, like, the others that are out there that are just putting out the same old stuff, I'm like, you're not shifting any culture. I mean, maybe you're progressing the sport in more so, like – the ability sense you're like doing cork 21 thousands or whatever the fuck it is now (laughs) like but it's not really like changing anything on the ground for people that have no idea how to relate to something like that yeah you know i mean the zeb powells are like fucking rad right like we need more people like that yeah that are like bringing in black culture into the snowboard space Mm -hmm. or literally like creating their own fucking snowboard space, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that's what we need is like, I'm not trying to be at the fucking table. Like I'm trying to create my own damn table. Mm. You know, people say like, Oh, do you want a piece of the pie? I'm like, nah, I want to be the motherfucking baker. Mm. You know? So that's where I'm at. I'm like, I don't want breadcrumbs from these companies. I don't want breadcrumbs from these white athletes. Like I want my culture and my voice and the communities that I'm connected with voice to be, the center because for as history shows most of us have been oppressed and killed and separated and othered for a very very long time so 
I'm not about any of that anymore. So, yeah. Do you do you ever feel? And I think I've asked you this before. Do you ever feel like brands in 2022 or 2023, whatever, are reaching out to BIPOC, BIPOC athletes or disabled athletes or whatever just to make their brand look good? Like, is that a is that a thing that you feel one way or the other about? Because it, I see it sometimes and I'm like, you've never done this before, right? right. And it's hard. I think, I mean, like, yeah, it's hit or miss. It's not yes or no. Some brands are doing a great job with it and really influencing their culture at their at their company yeah um, whereas other brands are very much tokenizing people and just checking a diversity box of like oh cool now we have a black athlete or a brown athlete whatever we're right. done and we'll put a black square up and not do anything about these community with these communities in mind you know so there's there's you know each and every kind of scenario these companies are running into i think some are doing great some are still kind of caught in the weeds uh, some are really showing up. Some are doing nothing. Um, you know, there's uh, there's scenarios of all of it. Yeah, there's no good answer. Who's a is there a brand that comes to mind when you think of somebody that's doing it well, right? Like that's bringing representation to the front. I mean, I'm probably going to plug the brands I'm a part of, right? <laughs> I would imagine so. And I think to be fair, I would have listed. I would have listed North Face as one of them anyway. Like for me personally, like I look at it from the outside and I'm like, North Face seems to do a good job at not just creating that representation, but also listening and learning from things. Yeah, I mean, North Face is definitely one of them. Of course, being such a big company, it just takes a lot to kind of, you know, turn their ginormous ship. Um, Yeah. They've been doing it for over a decade. So, and more so even. You know, learning about some of the history, they were giving out tents during, uh, during um, like some of the protests in the '90s and stuff, which was super cool. So it's like, or the '80s, I think. Um, so that's cool to lean on as well, and like going back to their roots. I don't know. I mean, I work with Subaru and REI, and um, let's see, Faction is moving slowly into that realm as well, um, large part because. I'm loud as fuck there too, so uh, I'm trying to just try to shift a lot of that stuff in in hand with a lot of other athletes there and people there as well. I'm not saying I'm the end all be all for companies. No, no, but I think I have ego, but not that big of an ego. <laughs> no, but for sure that that was the one brand that to me, like looking at your portfolio of brands that you work with, Faction was the one that I was like, I don't. I wouldn't have guessed this. Again, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the nitty gritty of it. Like, why you pick them, why you work with them, all this kind of shit. But, like, if you're looking at the list of brands that you work with, I would not have expected. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I started skateboarding when I was nine years old, I want to say. And then I picked up skiing. So I really, like, wanted to get into the skate scene more. I wanted to be a snowboarder when I was younger. I was watching, you know, Johnny Tsunami and, like, rocket power and stuff like that <laughs> and it was like brown kids on snowboards and board sports yeah so i was like sick like i want to do that but then like obviously with one leg it's a little bit trickier so i just jumped into skiing instead um so i wanted to be and based on that and me being just a skater and like loving like the skateboard vibes and all that kind of counterculture stuff like faction fit into the mold a little bit there for me um based on some of the ethics and stuff i talk about i think there's still a lot to be worked on but you know it's always a work in progress. I think everyone is at a different level when it comes down to it. Um, you know, companies like Hydro Flask are doing really good as well. And um, I'm also with Skull Candy. And if you look at their portfolio, it's like, holy shit, like you guys are like on it when it comes to building these cultural spaces. Um, so like, yeah, there's, there's not, there's a handful of companies, but the ones that I work with are very, again, intentional and I make sure to, uh, you know, help support them in their little journey as well. Yeah. Um, little ginormous journey. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a big push, especially in skiing, like skiing, as we all know, I think is a predominantly white sport, wealthy white sport, if nothing else. Like it's, I mean, that's the, that's the majority. I mean, it's always has been. It, uh, I wouldn't say it's always has been. How? You, know? you don't think it's always been predominantly white? I mean, in our current culture, yes, for sure. But, like, I don't know. There's a lot of communities around the world. 
can use the color that you like of like transportation or hunting or even recreation. Like you, you know, I would love to, you know, see a bit more representation around that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, It's valid. Yeah. But like, I mean, we've shifted it into being a white sport, right? Like, and it's based mostly around class, right? For sure. Uh, Skiing is incredibly expensive. Um, Without a doubt. And it's also location driven. So a lot of these ski mountains are not that close to major cities. Right. Um, maybe Seattle, Denver and those cities themselves are not that diverse in the first place. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the biggest hurdle is like breaking down that class systems that we've created, creating scholarship programs, creating opportunities for school kids to come up and enjoy it. Um, and especially, especially, I think the biggest thing is when these kids come up, they need to feel represented on the mountain. Yeah. Um, having, having ski instructors that look like them instead of, you know, white ski instructors who are amazing as well, you know, but it's just right. like, like white folks will not be able to connect with black folks in that sense, the same way a black instructor will, you know, it's just, that's just never going to happen unless racism is eradicated, but we are very, very far from that. Um, and even so, then, like it's it, okay. So this is a thing I think people don't necessarily understand. And I get this question kind of a lot. So maybe you can answer it better than I do because people don't understand why representation actually matters. Um, like I don't think they, and it's of course like it's, it's mainly people who are white and don't like, they just don't live within that scope and they don't, they don't understand. So why to you does that, does representation actually matter? Well, I will, I will preface it with representation is the first step, right? Like there's so much more that needs to be done after there is representation um, or alongside representation because um, then it just becomes tokenizing <laughs> if that's the only thing that it's left at. Um, there has to be equity. There has to be different systems. There has to be cultural shifts that happen based on different people starting to get involved into these spaces. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's kind of funny that white folks say representation. They don't know why representation matters because, like, the cultural norm right now is white people being at the forefront of all of these scenarios talk look at look at fucking uh the little mermaid you know they made a fictional character black and white people lost their shit lost their mind like what the hell are you talking about i mean it's just facebook moms like that's who lost their shit that's the thing is like it's crazy to me that fucking facebook moms and aunts and uncles and whatever the fuck have like an opinion that actually weights things one way or the other yeah like if it was a non-fictional character understandable but sort like, of, even then, even then. Yeah, like, you know, like Game of Thrones, like, yes, there's one, like, there's a ton of black folks in there too now. I'm like, sick, great, wonderful. Uh, you know, all these faces, they're, they're all fictional. It doesn't fucking matter what your skin tone is. Right. Like, <laughs> right. so um, unless they start bringing up the racial issues within those conversations, like if they start talking about racism within the Little Mermaid, great, wonderful. Then it's like, I think it's important for kids to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, white culture is such a norm that people forget that it's a norm. Like right. there is such thing as white culture, ugly sweater parties, candle making, all these other things that we see during the holidays. <laughs> right? Passive aggressiveness. That's another version of white culture that I try to avoid. Um, what did you just say? Passive aggressiveness? Yeah. Passive aggressiveness is a huge part of white culture. It's also part of a lot of other cultures, but specifically I see it in a lot of white spaces I'm like, why did you have to be passive aggressive there? And why other just... <laughs> and other cultures you think are just aggressive. I mean, if you bring out Indian people, like fuck, I know, like, I'm with you. Know. I'm with you. Dog. Like, like I'm... it's like we India has been named the rudest country in the world, but it's, like, <coughs> it's named rude because of these white culture standards that the West has created. Right? It's like once you go there, you realize like we're just direct. We just know what we want, and if you fuck up, we're gonna call you out on it and do better. Right. And if you do, great. You're going to be part of our family and culture and community. If you don't, you're probably going to be, feel like you've, you feel left out. Um, it's not rudeness. It's just a different way of communicating, as I was talking about before. Yeah. Right? Like we're just direct. We know what we want. Uh, it's based on our culture. I don't know. If it's on the spectrum of rude and kind, like I think actually like many parts of white community are more rude based on passive aggressiveness. For sure. 
for sure. Personally, it's just like you're not like actually telling me what you're feeling. Tell me what you're fucking feeling. Well, like, and I, don't I think re- when you ask for that, when you ask for that, they don't know how to like. People don't know how to react. They don't know. They actually think that you're you're saying that, but you don't mean it. You know, like for exactly. me, like, I want to uh, know. I am like putting it at face value. Meet it. Meet me where I'm at. Like, right. like this is exactly what I'm saying and exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. Like if if that if you feel it attacked by that or feel hurt, I'm like, fuck, man. I think that's on you. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to gaslight you. I'm not trying to like manipulate you. This is just how I feel. Right. Like, and this is just my lived experience and what I'm sharing. If you feel uncomfortable, that's your own fucking shit to unpack with your friends, family, therapist, whoever in your community. Like, if I'm in close the relationship with you and you feel uncomfortable, like we can talk about it. But if you're, if I'm not, then I'm. You need to lean on your support systems that you've created over time. Right. You know. Like I'm not going to be the brown disabled person to teach you how to live your life and teach you about racism because I'm not close with you. Like, And it's not your job. It's not my job. It is technically – if I get paid for it, yes, wonderful. It's my job. That's what I do with these companies, right? Like, <laughs> for a sp- I mean for a specific purpose though, but it's not your job to go and educate some random that you don't know in, in, in every scenario, right? Like it's not right, – no. And I've moved away from that. And that's like that individualism, right? Like, no, I'm not really focusing on individual change anymore, which was the which was really impactful when I was working at our the adaptive sports org here. Like I loved seeing the smile on people's faces when they were when they first learned how to ski independently on their own down a green run. Like they were having the time of their life. I'm like, yes, perfect. That individualism, wonderful. But once I started like gaining understanding of these societal norms and cultures and communities, I'm like, actually like Yes, this individual is going to be happy in these next five minutes, but they're going to have to go back to a life that is based around suffering and their needs are not being met because their systems that they're around, the education system, the transportation system, the care networks are fairly ableist against disabled folks and oppressive against disabled folks. So like, yes, this five minutes of joy is amazing, but then they're like 23 hours of their life is still kind of, you know, doesn't provide that same joy Mm -hmm. so like okay i want to focus my energy now away from that individualism that individualistic change towards more like societal change when it comes to the policies that companies are creating to create safe spaces for people of color disabled queer folks uh i want to talk with leadership and hr to make sure that their hiring practices are more equitable and they're hiring more people of color and they're creating cultural standards where they're not going to have like a Cinco de Mayo party, you know, like, so all of these little things that start coming up that start shifting. So that five minutes of joy can be improved to most of their day. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Right. So it's like transitioning away from individualism towards more like systemic change. Sorry to interrupt this wonderful episode, but Woodchuck Dot com is where you go for the best hard ciders in the entire world. Genuinely, no questions asked. There are no better than Woodchuck. Uh, and not just because they have every flavor under the sun, including peach, granny smith, amber, rose, perseco, sangria, mimosa, guava, another, uh, maple. What is that? Maple? No, it's apple. I can't read. Uh, amber. And so many more. You also can go ahead and buy pre-packs of these things, right? So they come, like they have a brunch box, for example. It comes with 12, and they give you like a little selection, little mix pack of these things. Uh, and it's great. Like, why would you not want to do this? Like, this is the perfect way to get yourself set up with the Ultimate Cider Experience, okay? Uh, go to woodchuck.com. Check out all the awesome products that they have. You must be 21 years of older to purchase, to consume, but they'll even ship it right to your door. Woodchuck.com. Promo code is out of bounds. Beautiful rendering, Ethan said, about the gift box on Fisher's website. If you haven't found your Christmas gift yet, Fisher has everything you need. Apparently, they have ski clothes as well. Uh, But in the U.S., we want to focus on one thing and one thing in particular, and that is the hard goods. The Ranger series is all new for 2022, 2023. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it about 175 times. And I'll never stop because the skis are phenomenal. Fisher cares about a high quality product, stuff skis. And 
again, I've said it before, best factory tune of any ski brand straight out of the factory. So you know you're getting a quality product with attention to detail. Uh, the breakdown on these things is is pretty insane. As you can see, probably on the screen if you're watching, which you should be, or listening. Uh, they use flex cut, which is a size appropriate amount of metal that goes into the ski. So the ski is burly, but it's not going to kill you. Uh, a huge fan of that. They also have a free ski rocker, so shorter contact point, more slidey, more fun, more free ride than a traditional all-mountain ski. But you can arc and park this thing, and that's what you should be doing. As soon as you go and you park your vehicle or your bicycle or your feet in front of your local retailer, buy yourself a new pair of Fisher Rangers and get yourself a boot while you're at it. You know, they got a Ranger boot. They got the whole series. I'm going to stop rambling, but go to fishersports.com for all the details or go to your local retailer to purchase. Back to Fasu. It's kind of, it's an interesting thing to see how everybody is adapting and changing the way that they they act and react to the things that are going on now because it's so different than what it was five years ago. Like this conversation feels like it's being had all the time and, and it's, it's a great thing. I, my worry, and honestly, this is my big worry. My worry is drilling it to the point where people get sour about it. Does this make sense? Like I do worry, for example, the word inclusive, right? Like I, I, the meaning of being inclusive to me is extremely important, right? And what it is at its core is extremely important, but I worry about it. It gets used so much by so many people and, and organizations that don't mean it and that don't even have representation in these areas. Right. That it almost feels watered down sometimes. Totally. Right. Yeah. And and then it's shallow, right? Like then it's they shallow. start talking. It's somebody heard the word and repeated it. Right. They're like, oh, we need to be more inclusive now. I'm like, okay, cool. That phrase. Well, that's the phrase. One, yeah. Right. right? Like what hire one brown model to be in their photo shoot? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> right. No. Hey, do you want to be in my B reel? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. All right, ready? I'm ready. I did it. That was it? Yeah, I did I need it. a warning. It's oh, wait. No, I can't do that because I just put my hand up my mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need a warning. Okay, there we go. Woo. I'm going to pick my nose. Is We're, that in We're in it. We're in it. We're in it, baby. We're in over here. Um, I did a be real on the chairlift the other day with like me, Digi, and then some random girl was on the chairlift as well. And they like all of our be reels hit at the same time. And we were just like, all right, this oh, is yeah. what we're doing today. The three of us are at each other's be reels and we're having a good time. <laughs> well, technically I think it pings everyone on be real when to do a be real, right? Yeah. Or like post a late one. I still don't understand it. I don't use it most of the time, but I, I don't, I love it. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's great. Like it, the, actually that girl on the chairlift was like, this is my favorite social media app right now. And I was like, I don't really understand why, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no Twitter for you, by the way. Why? Like, I feel like Twitter is the one you'd be the best at. I do have Twitter. You don't, don't fucking really use it. it. Yeah. I don't use so it. So you Sometimes don't have Twitter. Fun. If you have a Twitter and you don't use it, you don't have Twitter. Exactly. That's true. So <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I, use it. So I mostly just tweet and then post on my because that's where I have more followers. Isn't it funny? Like that's where the content does the best too. Like the best Twitter content, like all all the Twitter content for me does better on Instagram than it does on Twitter. Like it does well on Twitter, we're but not, we're not like we're not like political pundits, you know? Yeah, yeah, but like <laughs> that's the thing. Those political pundits are mainly relying on Twitter. I guess that's valid. I guess that's valid. I don't know. There's there is something there in skiing right now. Like there is a community that I didn't expect to exist there that oh, yeah, does Drew, exist. Drew is doing that. That's freaking hilarious. Yeah, Drew's fucking crushing it. There's a bunch of people that have like real followings on Twitter that actually like. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and there's yeah, but th- I don't know. It's it's fucking odd. I don't even remember <laughs> what we were talking about before this inclusivity. Like in that fucking yeah, whole thing. Obviously, the whole yeah. <laughs> umbrella of inclusivity. Yeah, exactly. Like, and what I just don't understand. There's a lot of, and there's a, <clears throat> there's an organization that makes me extremely uncomfortable, but, and I'm not going to talk about it now. But it's like people, <laughs> I, I want to, but I'm, I, I think the intention is good, maybe. So I like, I have a hard time with it, but I'll tell you off, off air, maybe. But it's you can uh, text me right now. How about that? Yeah, no, I'm not doing. <laughs> my phone's not next to me. Otherwise, I would, but. <laughs> It's, I just, this is, again, my worry is that it gets watered down and it just gets used as a platform, right? Like it gets used as a way to elevate people who are not part of that community 
and like are just trying to raise their hand and act like they're doing something good, whether it's good or bad. It's just it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, totally. I mean, it, it just gets weaponized like the American flag and the word woke, you know, totally. So yeah, what is that? That's the worst one, I think. Trying to avoid that. Um, trying to avoid being woke. No, trying to wep- trying to avoid weaponizing inclusion. Yeah. Towards being a bad thing, you know, and of course, like the extremes on each end or one end are going to view inclusion as an erasure for their, you know, superior race or whatever. But right. <laughs> that's not the fucking point. Right. <laughs> um, there's this. Uh, oh man, I keep going back to like so many random things <coughs> I've learned over the years. Um, this idea. This ideology that Heather McGee, I believe, shared. Um, let's see, which one was it? It was a. Uh, oh yeah, drained pool politics. Do you know what that is? No. So, uh, yeah, Heather McGee. Uh, she's also like a big voice around in the pol- pol- political world, um, but wrote an article around when Jim, Jim Crow was happening and people were being segregated based on race. And uh, it finally started, you know, they finally eradicated that a little bit. I guess like the <clears throat> policy side, they eradicated still. There's still racial apartheid all over this country. But uh, she was talking about this one pool, I believe in some inner city, I want to say Chicago, but I'm not sure, where it was, you know, whites only. Um and then they open it up to people of color. And then the white people got super pissed that there was brown people there. Um, so then they went up to like, you know, the higher ups that be uh, to say that they were super pissed that they, were, they had to share the pool with brown people. So then the city just shut down the pool. <laughs> They're like, well, fuck it. We're not going to like deal with it. And we're just going to shut it down. So no one had that resource. Mm. So, like, the idea of anti-racism is kind of that metaphor of, like, the idea isn't that brown people get more and white people get less. The idea is that we uplift everyone. Right. Right? And the idea isn't that white folks are going to lose something. Right. They're going to gain a lot. They're going to gain a shit ton. All the white folks in my life, I actually call them people that are white. (laughs) Do you understand the difference? I do. I do. I do. There's a, (laughs) and the people that are white in my life very much understand that they're gained, they've gained so much awareness and knowledge and mindfulness based around being around inclusive communities. Yeah. Right. They've gained understandings around different culture, different languages, different food, different music, all these things that bring vibrancy to a life, bring color to a life, not just through melanin, but through just like, I don't know, everyday space. Yeah. Um, that just makes people more happy and understanding of each other, you know, like right. breaking out of our bubbles and helping us understand different cultures, I think is super important just as, because we live in a globalized society. We can't avoid that. Like, yeah. that's just part of who we are. So like, you know, all these white affinity spaces that tend to not name themselves as white affinity spaces are kind of harming themselves in the long run, I think, for not being part of this globalized movement of inclusion that's going to happen regardless of people wanting it to or not. (laughs) So I think, you know, in 2020, I think, well, one, white folks aren't having kids as fast as brown folks are. (laughs) We just apparently love unprotected sex. So, <laughs> but I think by what is it, 2040, uh, white folks are going to be the minority in this country. So, you know, I think there's going to be a big reckoning around then to understand how to actually create more inclusive environments around white, brown folks, any, any other folks of color. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, there's so much of it that seems aggressive and like, it, I feel like people that are white feel like they are attacked sometimes. 
whether whether they are white people or people that are attacked feel or people that are white no, or white people no, so technically people that are white in my life don't feel like they're attacked <clears throat> i i understand this for you but there's still plenty of people that are like that to me are like close to me and they don't understand why it's all like okay we don't like this we don't like that we don't they, they just right. genuinely don't understand what the aggression is for and it's hard to not feel when you are something and somebody's talking about something whether you are that or not that it's hard to not feel something towards that right it's like every time somebody brings up i don't know the fucking taliban for example right like i'm like i don't feel connected to those people personally, but like they talk about them to me. And in some ways it feels like they're talking about me. And I'm like, fuck right. you. This right. is not me. Like you can eat my ass. Like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like this is not the, like, but it's hard. So even but on that part, like eating ass, you that, know? if that's what they're into, fine, you can eat mine. Like it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. that's the point though is, that is the extreme, right? And I still sometimes feel some type of way. So I understand why it's hard for someone, even whether you are a person that's white or you are a white per white person, <laughs> there yeah. it's hard to not feel some type of way about the aggression that comes off sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, it's like for me, I keep going back to this individualism. Like people start individualizing these aggressive behaviors or like directness that I bring forth and I'm like no 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 like what I'm talking about this like is this massive bigger picture right I'm talking about like societal issues around racism and we just embody it in our skin tone right it's like okay but like that that ideology or mindset is very tricky to start understanding you know um and I think it again goes back to like understanding what privileges and what systems of oppression even mean because that's a fucking word in itself and it's like our racialized history in this country and classist history and disabled ableist history so it's like understanding that is super difficult but i don't know i just like dove headfirst into it years ago and started learning about it and now i'm just like can't close pandora's box yeah. and a lot of people are still trying to catch up or whatever are on their own level of understanding, which is great. Um, happy to help if I'm close with them. Um, but if I'm not, I'm, I'm like, yo, that's your own journey. Figure it out. The, the research exists. There's, like, there's the, like an endless amount of resources yeah, out there. Right, right. It's overwhelming, but try to weed through it. We're all smart people. Um, some theory, more than others, yeah, theory, I don't know, whatever. Yeah theory um some people are more motivated to learn about this stuff some others aren't if you're not you're gonna reap what you sow i don't give a fuck like <laughs> you know yeah. like that's your own <clears throat> shit to deal with if you ask me like how to be connected to black black and brown populations like fuck if i know like i don't know like read books talk to people <laughs> i don't know treat people like humans and not their race i have, don't know have you ever been on let me google that for you no not yet dude okay. <laughs> but I, I mean i was in that point of like yo google's got a lot of answers no dude There's it's a, a website it's oh. a full-on <laughs> website like you go to the website it's like lmgfy.com and you like type in their stupid question whatever their question is and like it screen records it basically and then you just send them that back you just go let me google that for you and Whatever the stupid question is, you plug it in there, and then you just send them that link, and then it Google's oh, it for you them. Know. It's perfect. Type it's... question, click button. Yeah. What? Okay. What question should I type in here? Oh How man. Do you make more brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. It's There's gonna be way. like hinge. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Let's see. How to make more? Oh, does it just? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's not really hard, so hard. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all Most it is. Opportunities to talk to people, make eye contact, and smile. <laughs> <laughs> the first link was easy ways to make friends. <laughs> I like that. That's so like that's inclusive to me. Like that is just a general. Here's the easy exactly. way to just like, make ask them out for lunch or coffee. <laughs> That's it. From now on, the next time someone asks you something stupid, you just send them this. <laughs> I'm glad I typed that into this. Oh, my God. 
beautiful resource. Yeah, exactly. It's a new it's a newfound resource to uh, to educate the public for general things. Um, let one of the last things I want to ask you about, and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, how was Color of the Trails? Um, how did it go? Tell me oh, about that was it a little so bit. Epic. Holy shit! I wish you were there. Um, I thought about it. I almost went. It just was like it was it was tight and a lot. And I mean, it's fucking expensive, man. Like I to for me to go to Revy and right. not have a brand. I tried to get a brand partner, but by the time I knew, like it was too late for me to like. Oh, gotcha. Like it was two weeks out or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was super cool. I think that was the first time I've been with that many black and brown folks, disabled folks, queer folks in the same space on the ski hill, um, and it just felt like comfortable, you know. Right. Like we had some parties and. Uh, Juju loves dressing up, of course, as you probably have seen through her Instagram. So she threw a gala for everyone. So everyone dressed up in their traditional garb, which was so dope. Um, seeing, you know, cultures from all around the world just, you know, showcasing their clothing and styles um, with traditional music sometimes playing and like large party music playing too and just like good food and vibes. So that was super cool. Um, yeah, just very comfortable. People would people weren't being judged for what they wore, or how they acted. Um, so that was rad. Just doesn't happen that often in the, the ski space, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was sweet. It was just a full on vibe. Yeah. We definitely brought a lot of culture to that space. I heard there was an issue with some people like just showing up. Oh yeah. Some white supremacists showed up. And That's got fucking out. crazy. I'm not surprised. I mean, we're in like rural fucking BC, right? So if, I mean, again, these extremists think that their, like, livelihood is getting erased. And, again, I go back to that, like, drain the pool shit. Like, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about everyone. Right. You know? Like, if you – like, there were white folks in that space as well that were loving life and dressed in their own traditional shit. You know? So it's like, okay, cool. Like, we're all just vibing together and it's all intersectional. And this is what the world should interact like. Right. But um, people still just don't know how to behave around different cultures. Yeah, that was like, but that's a good example of like that this shit actually still happens. <clears throat> oh, yeah, of course. Because I, I think mean, like, people don't people don't think it actually like I've had plenty of people be like, oh, does that actually happen anymore? But like, yeah, that's a perfect fucking yes, example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's white supremacists everywhere. I live in fucking Montana. That's what I mean. I, that's why I let off, by the way, with that. And you're like, hey, Montana's fine. Like, all right, fuck it. Okay, cool. No, it's not fucking fine. It's a bunch <laughs> of, like, it's Whitetopia. Oh, like, now, you know? yeah, now it's Whitetopia. 50 minutes in, it's Whitetopia. Okay. No, I said it, I said it was 90% white, right? Yeah, all right. So it's like, it's, it's hard for people of color to move here. Yeah. Um, there's this, like, paradox, right, of, like, like, we need more culture and people of color to live here, but also it's not safe for people of color to live here. Right. So it's like, how, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And it's just like, it's very difficult for that, right? Like, I've had so many brown friends leave because they don't feel comfortable here. I'm like, fuck. Like, that's not the point. Like, damn it. Like, us being here is a form of resistance towards these cultural standards. And I think we have to keep at it. I know it's exhausting for many, but um, for the next generation that's going to be brought up in these spaces, like, it's going to be just that much easier for them to navigate than to try to create something new like we are. Or, mm. you know, I we, I stand on the shoulders of giants. Other people have been in this space trying to create more comfort comfort for me, you know? So it's like, that's kind of the idea is like trying to pass down that like safety net a little bit to the right. next generation coming through here. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, you know, all these mountain towns are like that. Predominantly, obviously, you know, in the U.S., run all the, all the help, most of the help are people of color, hotel staff, restaurant, all that kind of stuff. Um, ironically, in Canada, there was more white folks that were the help. I was like, huh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Tides, tides are turning a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like a lot of folks of color running these towns, large Hispanic population here um, that you know work on the our migrant workers, construction workers, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Many of them don't stay long. They just like make a shit ton of money and go back home, which is perfect. That's Use great. This benefit of your community. Like, fuck yeah. Right. Um, I love that. You know, they're not going to be the ones like 
you know, skiing at Bridgerbowl on a day in and day out basis. Right. But there are going to be other people of color, little silos of people of color that kind of hang out and want to ski on a, like want to ski bum and be a part of that kind of vibe. But mm-hmm. also like for me, like I don't see my culture in that space and I don't like interacting in that space because it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. I get asked the dumbest fucking questions and I'm like, did you really just ask me that? Um, I'm, I've been starting to do this thing, uh, Ann Cleary from the approach, the director of the approach, mm-hmm. this TikTok of these, like this woman just grocery shopping and like people asking her where she's from, from and her video, her like phone was on and she caught it all on screen. And I, I wanted to do this where like someone asked me a dumb question and I'm like, oh, sorry. Like, can you say that again? <laughs> and just like recording it. Like and just posting on TikTok, be like dumb shit people say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In these spaces, that is uh, that is viral TikTok content waiting to happen. Right, right, exactly. So, in due time, once I have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once uh, once TikTok becomes a priority. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever. I just consume TikTok. There's. People out there are so fucking funny. People are fucking so. hilarious. It's like truly, I never thought I hated TikTok. And now it's one of the funniest. And honestly, you can learn some shit from TikTok. Like, oh, yeah. Totally. I'm a better cook because of TikTok. Yeah. Like, no exactly. doubt. No doubt. So. Um, yeah. Last thing I'm going to ask you about. Uh, soccer, football. How do we feel about the World Cup? How do we feel about the result? I've, I thought one of the best finals games Oh, yeah. I was ice climbing that day, taking out a bunch of brown, queer, disabled folks. I was ice climbing. Um, but I had an in-reach. And we had we actually had an Argentinian in the clinic. So she was wearing a Messi jersey at the ice clinic. I was like, fuck, <laughs> this is so sick. So I in-reached my brother. I texted him on my satellite phone. Uh, Yo, like, what's the score of the game? And he texted back that it was a 4-3 win to Argentina and PK. And the whole like crag just like erupted and we were just like screaming ole and like <laughs> Bianca, who is the Argentinian that was part of our clinic was, uh, you know, chanting Messi. Um, so that was super rad. I didn't get to watch the game, but I saw the highlights and that was fucking epic. Yeah. Um, definitely well-deserved for Messi. It seemed like the most dramatic day of one winning in PKs against the reigning champions in a Muslim country and Messi's last World Cup, and I'm like, oh my god, what the he- what is this culmination of like yeah. events? That fucking happen. Um, I think it was, I, I the World Cup. I for me it was a duality because so many for Indians sure. died making sure. that those stadiums, and also Bangladeshis and Africans and people like within the worker working class. A um, lot of them died. Most out of any other. Uh, I think World Cup or Olympics or whatever. Right. So that that part I was trying to hold true to. I would really recommend people to watch the Workers' Cup on, I want to say it's on Amazon Prime. I don't like supporting Amazon, but it's on Amazon Prime. It's a great movie about what the workers went through to make these stadiums at Qatar. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty much in-slave labor, 100% in-slave labor. For sure. I don't... They, got, they signed a contract. They didn't even read <clears throat> And you read the contract and then they realize like they can't leave like in their contract it said they couldn't leave just go see their family yeah holy fuck so that was a duality i do enjoy that it was in a muslim country where morocco went to the semifinals which yeah is epic um i think that was monumental in showcasing again like muslim culture um i think, I think morocco is a good one right like morocco is a good one example wise right like if Qatar made it it'd be like i would be upset probably <clears throat> like right. i wouldn't be happy i wouldn't be proud of it like Qatar's a it's a piece of shit country like genuinely right. like, a lot of class yeah classes. for sure like it's not obviously that doesn't mean everybody from there is a piece of shit but like it's a piece of shit country like without a doubt yeah systemically right? systemically for yeah. sure and that's why i was like but morocco going as far as they did to me like was a was a positive thing right like that's the right country that you want to root for that everybody can kind of get behind and be like okay this is all right yeah i mean it's another country that showcases east meeting the west right like right like turkey exactly right? exactly morocco and turkey are like a country that showcases east meeting the west um it's like a 
I want to say it's like an easier country to palette for white folks around specifically Muslim. For sure. Predominantly Muslim country. For sure. You know, if it was like, you know, I don't know, Egypt or Saudi Arabia or what, like Qatar even, like people would have a really hard time and be super Islamophobic. For sure. Right? It's like some of these ones are a little like a baby step into like accepting Islam. Which is a good thing. Like it's honestly, I like it. Yeah. Right? Like showing like the mothers kissing the pro athletes after they win. And like, oh my God, this is adorable in their like hijab and everything like hell yeah like this is what's up you know yeah um like stuff like that is super important to showcase again that's that representation right like showcasing the positive lights of these cultures because many of the times western media has a wonderful way of uh skewing eastern stories right to create more hate and more racism and more islamophobia um so yeah, it's it's that kind of stuff is bullshit. Whereas like showcasing the true narratives from these countries is super important. I think, you know, ironically and again to that duality, like having it hosted in Qatar was impactful in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But it also, you know, can't forget about the tragedies as well. And I think Qatar de- does need to be held accountable for that kind of stuff. And the next World Cup venues have to as well like no like we can't have people be enslaved to make these fucking stadiums yeah like think about the ethics way more than like just you know like commodifying humanity yeah you know it's like these people are people first and foremost this world is built on the working class we saw that during covid everything fucking went to shit during covid because the working class couldn't work yeah you know like the like the what what is it like the supply chain was totally fucked it's still fucked yeah right like for sure <laughs> you know like we live in these high castles and uh think everything's just done for us and then like then something like covid hits and like your whole livelihood is fucked because you can't like get an amazon package on time or some shit <laughs> right exactly the world shuts down right the world shuts down and rich rich people can't stay rich right so it's like okay guys like who are we actually who actually runs this this world? Right, for sure. Right. So, um, great. All right. Um, where where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you causing problems fans. on OnlyFans? Uh, okay, cool. Good to know. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> my foot is nasty. Maybe not as nasty as Madison's, but my foot is nasty. Hey yo. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> Yeah, that foot uh, is fucked up. That foot is fucked up. Like I can't, right. I can't. Um, oh, I mostly do most of my loud voicing on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, Vasi Sojitra. Love it. Whatever. Type in one-legged backcountry skier in Google, and you'll probably find me too. Perfect. <laughs> so, Perfect. There's not, um, there's not. I can count on one hand. Yeah. How many backcountry skiers on one leg there are. Um. Thank you for the time, as always. I appreciate it yeah, very yeah. much.